Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. It has been a harrowing couple of days <laughs> here for old Jay Funktastic. So I've heard. <laughs> so I've heard. So what, what's been going on? Uh, Monday, I got my second Moderna shot. And uh, I, I felt a little tired Monday afternoon. I got home from home from the shot. I got it in the afternoon after work and i came home i was like feeling a little tired i'm gonna take a nap so i napped all afternoon woke up felt okay but i was like a little lightheaded but i was all right um went to bed monday night slept all night woke up monday morning felt great i texted you and wally and i was like man got my shot yesterday i actually feel pretty good you know i don't feel sick at all like people were saying then about two hours later (laughs) i texted you guys back and i was just like I feel like I got hit by a manure truck. <laughs> I was like, it sucked. Dude, yesterday was terrible. I've, I had zero energy. Like, I was lightheaded and just, ugh. It, it was, the whole day was just like a blur. Like, I just couldn't move. I felt like a lump of flesh all day yesterday. You know, I've heard very mixed things about, it's it's the second shot yeah. that really gets people when it comes to the vaccine. I've heard very mixed things, but I, I think yours might be the most extreme case. But I I've didn't heard, like, getting tired. I've heard some people like they feel sick. Yeah, but no, nothing like what you said. I think like I never felt sick. I didn't. I never got like chills or fever or anything. It was just like literally every single ounce of energy just left my body. Like, I just could not do anything. If I just, it was awful. And then I wake up this morning, perfectly normal, perfectly fine. And then at noon, I had to go to the dentist. Because <laughs> I have a crown on one of my molars because I had a crappy dentist a few years ago. Um that my original dentist that I grew up with, he retired when I was in my late 20s, so I had to find a new dentist. So I was looking around, and I went to this one guy uh, that uh, my grandma um, suggested to me, and he ended up screwing up this whole side of my mouth. Like I went to him because I had an old filling from when I was a kid that was one of those old like silver fillings, and it was starting right. to... like separate from the like break down and separate from the two so i went to him to refill it well he he was like in my mouth like like banging around like he was like sculpting a bust of george washington out of my tooth and ended up splitting my tooth up to the root and so he ended up giving me a crown on that tooth well and then um I got a new dentist. Like he had other stuff that went wrong in my mouth. I had to go to another dentist. The guy I have now that's like had to fix all the problems that dude did. Ended up 
cracking my crown in half Friday night, like eating a sandwich or something. And I broke my crown in half. And it's going to cost me, I have a temporary one in right now. They had to, I guess, mail order me a new one. I don't know how that works. I had to pay $350 up front and then three another $350 when it comes in. And I have dental insurance, and it's still $700 out of pocket. That's ridiculous. After, I want to know what it's like without insurance. After I finally got something back from federal taxes, after 10 years, I finally got a refund from the federal government, and it's going to go straight to my dentist's pocket. It's like I was telling you earlier, it's like everyone just kind of breaks even yeah. when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's always like you get a lot back from your taxes. Something's going to break, whether yeah. it's, in your case, your tooth yeah. or like an AC or your car or something like that. There's always something yeah. that you have to use it on. You can never really just fully stash it away. Yeah, I was laying in, in the, the dentist chair. Like the, 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 uh, I guess what, what do they call the, they're not nurses They're What are they? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. The lady that works there that usually cleans my teeth. Like she reached up there to pull it out. And when she did, that's when it, it like, I guess it, it had cracked. So she like only had half of it and the other half like went back in my throat and I'm all like, <laughs> like choking on my tooth. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was broken. I was like, oh, it's okay. I'm just oh, man. Par for the course, I guess. <laughs> I'm just picturing because you mentioned you had what a temporary one mail ordered to you. Like, did it come in a like a cool case? I wish. Like, you, you just kind of open it almost like a ring and you just <coughs> yeah. open it and there's just the two. The right doctor's going to get down box. on one knee, the dentist. You're like, <laughs> may I put this in you? <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to, uh, does it, does it come with a re, does it come with a rechargeable case like like AirPods? <laughs> <laughs> the charger's not included. Yeah, do I get iTunes yeah. on it? That'd be cool if I could like get a tooth that like you know how they have those uh, what do they call bone conductor? Um, yeah, yeah, get get one of those up in there. That'd be awesome. I could listen to music and nobody would know. That'd be awesome. Hey, I could see that happening in the next few years. That might be a Who thing. Knows? I need to patent that. Yeah, you should. How was your week? I hope it was better than mine. Uh, well, I got my first uh, vaccine shot on Thursday and had no real side effects from it. You know, I'm like my arm was sore mm. the next day, but I mean that's par for the course from what I've heard most everyone when they get their first shot. Um, other than that, had a um pretty chill weekend. And then uh, just kind of hit the ground running on Monday with work. You know, it's you can tell that the uh, the season is definitely approaching. We're a little less than a month away now, so mm. it, it's it's getting it's getting a little wild. So, <laughs> so but anybody uh, that watches the live show just know that you know it does get spotty. You know, we've been pretty solid the last year because there was no baseball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there, usually during baseball season, we get a little spotty with the live shows because Derek uh, Derek's schedule gets a little weird. Well, luckily, it's the way we're doing it this year is that games will only be Tuesday through Sunday. Because usually it, I might have a series from like Wednesday to Sunday or Monday through Friday or thursday to tuesday so it's nice that the schedule is actually going to be fairly consistent may will be a little rough but 
after that, it's pretty much like one week I'll be able to do the show. Then the next week I won't. Then one week I will. And it'll kind of go in a pattern yeah. for the most part. So once May is done, it'll be funny enough, a little more structured than how it normally is. Yeah. Mixmaster so, said in the we'll chat see. room that uh, his insurance only is like mine. It only covers so much for crowns. Like, then what do you pay insurance for anyway? There's that- always that technicality. <laughs> always. Insurance is such a scam. It really is. It I mean, really is. I mean, wouldn't you come out ahead, more ahead, if you were to just take the money that you pay and insurance every year and just put that money into like a separate bank account. I mean, yeah. And then just pay cash. Like, I'm sure if you had like a surgery and you had like 10 grand saved up, you'd be like, look, I'll just give you 10 grand. Will that cover it? I'm pretty sure they'd be like, okay. Back up the Brinks truck to the office. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but no, other than that, it's been pretty, Oh, um, I will be releasing, so we're recording this yes. Wednesday night. Um, Thursday morning, I am releasing the Parker Syndrome on YouTube. Fantastic. It will premiere uh, Thursday morning at 7 a.m. So uh, the link will be on you know Facebook, Twitter, all the social medias. I'll put it in the Discord as well for anybody who wants to watch it because I know it, it hasn't been available for yeah. viewing since it was released now almost two years ago. Yeah, I know. Been a kind while. of crazy to think about that. So, uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm, pretty I, exciting. I remember uh, when we were about to release Monsters. It was just kind of like oh, that feeling. I love that feeling when you're about to release something to the world. So good. Yeah, yeah. It, it had a good run in, in festivals. You know, yeah. it had the it won a few awards and it was accepted to several other festivals. You know, one couple locally here, like one in Destin, one down in Tampa that I got to go to. So uh, it had a good run, but I'm happy to, it's going to be finally released to the public to watch. So yeah. be on the lookout. Um, I made the uh, the Monsters Anonymous uh, YouTube page um, available again on YouTube because, you know, Derek was going to release Parker Syndrome on Amazon Prime, but I got a little notice from Amazon saying that they're no longer doing short form content and uh, Monsters was taken down, so I released it for free on YouTube. So if anybody wants to watch it, just look up Monsters Anonymous, um, and you'll know which one it is. It's the good one. <laughs> there's, like, <laughs> there's like 50 Monsters Anonymous is on there now. I'm like, eh. Whatever the best one is. Yeah, whatever the best one is, that's ours. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually watched uh, some of it uh, earlier today. So it's it, for those who haven't checked it out, definitely do it's a really funny movie yeah and if you uh just go look on you know uh, the at help the monsters on twitter uh or monsters anonymous on facebook uh, i've got it pinned for the the top of the page the uh the youtube link so you can just go follow it and find it there yes sir but uh, it's time to go into the news shall we yeah from our friend I am the Rampage from Polygon.com Blizzard Arcade Collection gets two more 1990s SNES hits for free Lost Vikings 2 and RPM, uh, RPM Racing join 30th anniversary celebration uh, via update today um, 
the Blizzard Arcade Collection Anthology that launched for PC and consoles back in February. Uh, two more throwbacks have joined. Lost Vikings 2, a sequel to the side-scrolling platformer included with the collection at launch, and RPM Racing, an isometric-style truck racer similar to the also uh, included Rock and Roll Racing. Uh, available, uh, let's see... For the Nintendo Switch, it released in February for Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One. The anthology is a celebration of the publisher studio's 30th anniversary. Um, did you ever play... I never played uh, Lost Vikings. I did not. And it's funny because that's two more SNES hits that Nintendo themselves have actually released lately. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, I mean... R RPM Racing looks pretty pretty cool, too. Like, it was uh, looks like RC Pro-Am. Which that's, I think that's, that's what I was going to say. What it is, and if I'm not mistaken, RC Program was made by Rare, mm -hmm. an early Rare game back in the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking at the screenshot, that's exactly what it reminded me of, mm -hmm. just with giant trucks. Might have to go check this out. Even though Blizzard has uh, aggravated me the last couple of months, this looks like a, a cool collection to have, though. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I like seeing collections like this that studios will release for you know Switch, PS4, whatever the case may be, because there's usually a couple that are in there that, that make it worth it. So oh, yeah. I, I would agree with that. I'd like to play RPM racing. Yeah, it looks fun. I wonder if it's a uh if you could play online. Cause that would be fun. I'm not sure. Because it looks like it's two player. Yeah, it does. But our next story comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Konami's canceled Castlevania game for Dreamcast has been resurrected. I'm sure Joey Image will love this story. I know he's a mm -hmm. huge Dreamcast fan. <laughs> there have been a lot of promising games canceled over the years. Fortunately, more of them seem to be returning from the dead. Already this year, GoldenEye 007, XBLA, and Dinosaur Planet have been leaked online. And now to add to this, a pre-E3 demo of Castlevania Resurrection has surfaced. This title was originally announced by Konami in 1999 and was intended to be a Sega Dreamcast release until it was delayed and then canceled around the year 2000. It's believed the Dreamcast struggles and the PlayStation 2's success were contributing factors. Before it was canceled, it was shown off to the press and now somehow, out of nowhere, a video of the game being played has been uploaded to YouTube titled Castlevania Resurrection Exists. It appears to be an early build of the game predating 1999 and allowed the developer to transport the character to many different areas and there's a screenshot of the disc here and you can tell it's like a i don't want to say a beta version but it's definitely a version that someone just yeah. so happened to have it has handwritten mm -hmm. on it castlevania resurrection the date november 5th 1999 this is really cool and i, I feel like more and more we keep hearing these types of stories about these old games that no pun intended are resurrected yeah, and it's cool, too, because, you know, I'm a huge Castlevania fan, and uh, it would have been interesting to see what they would have done for, uh, you know, the Dreamcast, if the Dreamcast would have uh, stuck around, and I just, I wonder why it was canceled to begin with. I don't know. It's, it could be many things, you know, I, and it makes me wonder why a lot of these games get canceled i mean some of them are just they're abandoned yeah well i hope but this thing gets uh preserved in some way 
Hopefully so. Uh, it says here the title was apparently intended to focus on Sonia Belmont and a character called Victor Belmont. Ooh. It would have taken place in 1666, right before Simon Belmont's original outing. That's cool. Yeah, so that that would have been uh, an interesting take on you know chronologically where the story is. Yeah, I wish Konami would do a new Castlevania game. It's time. There's a lot of those old franchises that need to be brought back, and Castlevania is yeah, one of them. Absolutely. Uh, from NintendoLife.com, Doc Cosmos is on the way to Game Boy Color in 2021. Um, courtesy of Bitmap Soft and developer Simon Jameson, who can often be found working on retro hardware coding on Twitch, Doc Cosmos is the game being brought to Game Boy Color as a new release with some nice packaging that includes a manual and some stickers. Uh, it's a game that was originally on Commodore 64, which has been reproduced and proved now for its new release on Game Boy Color. It sounds like its time travel mechanic could be quite fun, too. Um, and then a quote, uh, In the present timeline, Doc will be able to jump with a lot of control, allowing Doc to be controlled in mid-air. In the past timeline, however, Doc will look and control differently, being able to jump less high but slightly further forward and with no additional mid-air control much like early video games um, additionally some map elements are only present in one timeline and not the other switch timelines to discover hidden ladders bridges and other things to help you get through the map uh, pre-orders for a target delivery in june are open on the bitmap soft web website and it's worth clarifying, this is an actual Game Boy Color game and will only work on that hardware. That's cool. I'm not going to lie, looking at this graphic here at the top of the screen where they show the box art, mm -hmm. seeing that little notice in the bottom right corner that says only for yeah. Game Boy Color, <laughs> it kind of makes me geek out a little bit. I know. Because I, I remember, and we'll talk a little bit about the Game Boy in this month in video game history, but... I remember when the Game Boy Color came out, just how much of a game changer mm -hmm. that was. Because you play the old Game Boy and it has those, you know, like grayscale, black and white type graphics. And then when you plug in Game Boy Color, it's just like you're like Dorothy leaving <laughs> Kansas yeah. and going into the land of Oz, like almost literally. And so many games took, you know, the, the color aspect of the Game Boy Color and incorporated it into their game. Like, you know, I know you've played the Link's Awakening remaster. Oh, yeah. The color dungeon that they added was added in the DX version of Link's Awakening, mm -hmm. specifically because of the Game Boy Color. Like, you yeah. could visit, you could go to the dungeon if you played on the regular Game Boy, but you had to pass a test where you had to, like, pick out, like, what color was on the screen. Yeah. In order to go through, and so obviously weird. if you had... Grayscale, you couldn't do it. But the, the, back to this game, though. This this looks pretty cool. Like you can look at the graphics and tell that this was 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 made for the Commodore sixty four because it has a little bit of that eight bit type of feel to it. But yeah. I mean, I think the colors are very vibrant mm -hmm. for a game like this. It, it sounds really cool. I would I mean, I'll, I'll give it that. I would definitely play it if I had a Game Boy Color. I don't know if I have my old Game Boy you Color. Check I don't and see if you have. I don't it. think I. I don't think I do. But I'd have to look at my parents' house or something. I know I still have my Game Boy Advance, 
But yes. I don't know if I have the Game Boy Color. Yes, Mixmaster, you're going to be on NCR soon. You're going to be our community spotlight guest next month. The Mixmaster will be on. The Mixmaster himself. Can't wait. But yeah, Doc Cosmos sounds like a pretty cool game. I love the artwork for it, too. It's got this totally 90s. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Our next story comes to us from Gamasutra.com. Love that website name. <laughs> Atari sets up two new divisions, Atari Gaming and Atari Blockchain. Atari has established two divisions with very different focuses, and as a result now has a new CEO at the helm. The retro-aligned company announced the shift this week, noting that it has established Atari Gaming and Atari Blockchain to group its two main business focuses into their own divisions. As part of that, now former CEO Frederick Chesnace, yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it, has stepped down in order to focus entirely on Atari's blockchain dealings and licensing. In his place, board chairman Wade J. Rosen has stepped in as CEO. The new Atari gaming division aims to focus on expanding the market of retro games and will specifically see the company license its brands and games, continue to develop free-to-play mobile games, and revitalize classic Atari IP with an expansion into the console and PC market. I don't know if they should be talking about that quite yet. Yeah. Uh, this division also concerns itself with Atari's retro-inspired console, the Atari VCS, and plans to expand the development tools offered for its platform. While Atari blockchain is chiefly concerned with products and services related to its Atari token cryptocurrency, this division also aims to explore ways that crypto and blockchain can be used within games or on the VCS. I had no idea Atari was into Bitcoin. I did not either. <laughs> Atari token? Can I can I buy this on Robinhood? Right. <laughs> I hope to see that like no lie, I hope to see that on Robinhood. That would I, just be I, hilarious to me. I feel like Atari has fallen so far from their what they were I don't know. This is such a weird story. Like, a what are, I this, mean. This is weirder than Sega making pachinko machines. I know. And, like, they're doing hotels and casino business. Like, why? who wouldn't want to stay at an Atari hotel? I mean, we talked about this a while back. Like, that's so, yeah. Atari hasn't been relevant in 40 years. Which is sad to say because a lot of people grew up with the Atari. Yeah. And people have such fond memories of, of that company. And just to see what they're doing now is, is really kind of sad. Dude, and that VCS is dead on arrival, man. I'm telling you. Hashtag D-O-A. Yes. Uh, for our last story, this is from ReadRetro.com. New versions for Xbox and PS5 of Alex Kidd and Miracle World DX. Uh, a remake of the classic Master System platformer is in the works. A full list of all platforms which the game will be available is PlayStation 4 and 5, Xbox Series uh, Series X, I think. They, they must have missed uh, the Xbox Series and 1. Switch and PC, uh, the through both Steam and Epic Game Store, it will be released on June 24th, costing $19.99. Um, let's see, a few news. I don't know who wrote this, but the, this is like terrible yeah, <laughs> English. Yeah, it, it ain't great. Uh, you can play both the, the original game in classic mode and also use a single button 
to swap between old and new graphics, a feature also used in games such as the upcoming Diablo 2 Resurrected. This version will also contain both new and remastered music from the original game. Um, I never played Alex Kidd in Miracle World, but from what I hear, it's it's an okay platformer. I just I know that 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 was the original kind of mascot for Sega, where they were trying to compete with Mario, but mm-hmm. didn't really take off until Sonic rolled around. Yeah, I'd be interested in trying it because you know I I love a a good platformer. Yeah, I don't know if it is a good platformer, but. I'd be interested in trying it because I'm I'm looking at a little bit of the the graphics right now. It's it's very bright and animated. Like I, I dig the style of it. Yeah. So and I think it's also cool that you can switch between the new graphics and the original ones. So. Yeah. And for 19.99, I mean, I'd probably wait for it to go on sale. Mm-hmm. But I'd be interested in trying it. I, I like trying new platformers that I've never played before. Yeah, I'm, I might might try it out, too. Like I said, I've never played it, and I'm interested, too, because that is kind of a big, you know, uh, franchise in Sega's history, you know, back in the day. Yeah. But uh, it's time yeah, to move into this month in video game history. <laughs> In April of 1985, Game Arts releases Thexter for the NEC PC 8801. What is Thexter? I'm not going to lie. I just threw this in here because I like that word. Thexter. <laughs> I love that box art. That is right? 80s as you can get. It's a little bit of Tron, a little bit of Transformers. A little bit of Gundam. You know. A little bit of Gundam, yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's a running gun game, so hmm. I I'd be was, was this ever released in the States? I don't think so. Yeah, it was released in Japan in eighty five. Scanning through it now, yeah, I don't I don't see it available anywhere. It was they- released for the NEC PC eighty eight oh one, Famicom, Amiga, Apple II. Apple II GS, but nothing. I mean, it's at least for a few other things beyond that, but yeah, it's nothing said, um, that I see in the States. Game Arts licensed Dexter to Square in order to develop a conversion for the NES game console, but then nothing after that. Hmm. Interesting. I would have played this. Yeah. On April 20th of 1990, Nintendo releases Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light in Japan, innovating the tactical role-playing genre. Funny enough, I feel like Smash Brothers actually made Fire Emblem more popular Uh in the United States because in Melee, they incorporated the use of two characters from the Fire Emblem series. And before that, no one really outside of Japan knew what Fire Emblem was. And since then, I believe they have released Fire Emblem games in the States. And the award for longest game title goes to Fire Emblem. (laughs) (laughs) Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light. Uh, April 24th of 1995. Oh, do you have something else to say about it? Oh, no, no. Go ahead. April 24th of 1995. I hope I'm saying this right. Satellaview, accessory for the Super Famicom console in Japan only, is released. What is the Satella view? Oh, look at that thing. Look at this 
glorious piece of machinery here. <laughs> uh, wow. It's bigger than the actual Super Famicom. I know. Uh, one megabit of ROM space and an additional 512 kilobytes Ooh. of RAM allowed players to download games, magazines, and other forms of content through satellite broadcasts provided by Japanese company uh, St. Giga. I guess that's right. Sure. Uh, to use Satellaview, players had to purchase a special broadcast satellite tuner directly from St. Giga or rent one for a six-month fee and to pay monthly maintenance fees to both St. Giga and Nintendo. It was, a, it was attached to the bottom of the Super Famicom via the expansion port, uh, featured heavy support from third-party developers, including Squaresoft, Taito, Konami, Capcom, and Sita. And it was discontinued in June of 2000. That's kind of cool. That you Japan get... always got the cool editions. I know. Like, I always think of the Nintendo 64 disk drive. Yeah. That was released in Japan, but it never made it over here because they had the addition to um, Ocarina of Time where they had, like, the... They released it in the States called Master Quest mm -hmm. where all the dungeons were mirrored and were a little bit harder. But, yeah, Japan always got the the cool, like, additions to consoles. Like, it just... All that stuff you read just sounds ridiculous yeah. in a way, but it's actually <laughs> kind of cool. Like, you have to buy a satellite dish yeah. <laughs> in order to play this. Like, yeah, but think of all the extra content you would have had. Oh, absolutely. And with an extra, I know, I know it doesn't sound like a, a lot now, but one megabit of ROM space and an additional 512 ki kilobytes of RAM for a Super Nintendo would have, like, that's, like... You know, like, that sounds like nothing, but back then, that was a lot. Yeah. My, how technology has evolved. Yes, it has. In April of 1996, Eidos, or Eidos, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, Interactive acquires Centrigold for 17.6 million pounds, which translates roughly to $21 million in the States, which holds core design and U.S. gold, which is a, not the gold mineral, but a company. <laughs> but the interesting thing about Core Design is they created the character Lara Croft. So at that time, was worth yeah. seven, uh, 21 million U.S. dollars, probably more. Like, I never got into the Tomb Raider games, but I remember seeing them advertised like crazy oh, yeah. on TV back in the 90s. Yeah, I never played... I don't think I've ever played a ever played a Laura Croft game. I haven't either. That was around the time I, I was not playing video games at the time. That was my nineteen ninety six was my first year of college. See, I was ninety six. I would have been. I mean, I would have been turning ten. <laughs> you shut your face, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, since when did Steve Wise join the show? I know. <laughs> uh, April 14th of 1998, Nintendo's Game Boy Light handheld console is released in Japan. Which is the equivalent to the Game Boy Pocket, mm -hmm. which was released in the United States, which was literally the Game Boy, no better graphics or anything like that. It was just a smaller version yeah. of the Game Boy. It which wasn't the 12-pound brick that the Game Boy originally was. 
I think I mentioned this last week, but we went to the flea market a couple of weekends ago and they had an old Game Boy and like it wasn't in great condition. So like I didn't even think to buy it. But I thought to myself, you could really hurt somebody if you threw that at them. (laughs) It's it's insane. Just like and the Game Boy Pocket was quite a bit smaller. Like you could literally put it in your back pocket of your Mm. pants, which made it which made it great. Like I, I, I enjoyed the Game Boy Pocket, but graphically it wasn't really an update. It had no backlit screen, I think, yeah. or anything. Um, well, the let's see. It says here the Game Boy Light is only slightly bigger than the Game Boy Pocket and features an electroluminescent background for low light conditions. So this did have a backlight on it, hmm. which was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, never, never got that over here. I don't think. A back I don't original Game Boy like that. I don't think it was a part of the Game Boy Pocket. I still think you had to get the um, the light accessory to to play in the dark. Yeah, Mixmaster but, brings up a good point that they're they're still making Lara Croft games uh, mm-hmm. all the way up to the PS4. But like I said, I've just never played them. They just never really appealed to me for some reason. But our last story for this month in video game history, on April 3rd of 2001, Activision releases The Simpsons Wrestling for the PlayStation. The game was widely panned by critics and is considered to be one of the worst video games of all time. Wow. I watched bad. some game I watched some gameplay of it. I like I haven't played it, so I can't really say whether or not I think it's one of the worst video games of all time. But it don't look great. <laughs> I've never seen this. Yeah, I remember seeing it in stores back in the day with uh, Groundskeeper Willie mm-hmm. got uh, ready to throw Homer Simpson in the fifth row. <laughs> yeah, this was still back in the days of uh, licensed games being a bit on the crap side. Yeah, you had your your hits every now and then, but yeah, around this time, like I, I still, for the most part, stay away from adaptations. But some of them aren't bad. Just makes me wonder, you know, you had all these Simpsons games out uh, back then. Why was the Simpsons arcade game never ported to a home system? I don't know, because I love the Simpsons arcade game. It was so good. There was a a movie theater about half an hour from my parents' house that had the Simpsons arcade. And we, when we would go watch movies, a few of us would go early so that we could play that game yeah. before it was time to go in and watch the movie. Like it, that game is so much fun. I mean, that was one of those games that, you know, you go to the arcade and it would be one of those machines that just had tons of people around it playing it. Yeah. So fun. And I just don't understand why it never got a, a, a home port. That's so baffling to me. It doesn't get nearly the love that the Ninja Turtles arcade game. No, does. And it's, I think it's just as good, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I I would still prefer the Ninja Turtles one, but the Simpsons one is is still really good. Yeah, I mean, it just it, it depends on what your preference is, really. But when you break it down to its basic like fighting game, what it is a fighting game, those two games run neck and neck. I mean, for fun factor. Well, they play very similar too. Yeah, because you got so. Marge with her vacuum cleaner. You got. Uh, Bart's got uh, hits people with a skateboard. Like it's just such a cool game. Yeah, I like it. 
Uh, before we go into our review for tonight, Derek has shout-outs. Yes, as always, we'll have to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armez Jackson, Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. the Mixmaster himself, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, the fact checker to the fact checker, Mr. Tyler Watson, <laughs> Justin Olson, Brandon Rutledge, Donner Party of Five, Gus and Penny, and Jason May. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us here at the podcast. And because you have kept us at the $50 level, we will continue to do fun commentary tracks like our most recent one, which was a two-for-one special of The Real Ghostbusters and The Muppet Show. So if you want access to those early and you want to vote on topics that we talk about here throughout the show, just head on over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you're a new patron, be sure to send us your social media information so we can give you a proper shout out. I'm sorry. Before we go into the review, Mixmaster just revealed in the chat room he's never watched The Simpsons. What? How have you never seen The Simpsons? I, that's that, crazy. That's mind-boggling. I mean, like, I'm not a huge Simpsons fan, but, like, I went through a phase in middle school where I watched The Simpsons, because it would come on Fox. Or Yeah, I think it was Fox. It came on, like, in mm -hmm. syndication. Like, they would show reruns of it throughout the week, and I would watch it, like, every night. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. Even if you don't like The Simpsons or whatever, it's been on for 30 years. I mean, you had to have accidentally seen it once or twice. <laughs> I'm st are you shocked that that show is still going? Yeah, honestly. I mean, I haven't watched it in like probably 15 years. To be honest, I think Futurama's a better show, and I wish Futurama was still around, but that's just me. Futurama was a fun show. Yeah, Futurama's I, I great. I honestly thought after the Simpsons movie that the show would be done. Because yeah. I actually really liked the movie. I think if you're going to go back and watch the Simpsons, probably the first... I'd say seven or eight seasons are, are all you really need. And then the rest is just kind of like what I've seen over the past, like 15 years. I don't know. It just doesn't, it's, I don't know. It doesn't really have that magic that it did back then. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad show or anything. It's just, I don't know. It just does. It, I don't know. I feel like, I just feel like Futurama is the better show and I wish it was still around. Futurama was a fun show, but tonight Derek's going to be talking about Right. <laughs> Music's not terrible in this game. I, I found myself getting into it a couple of times, but uh, this week I will be reviewing Fire and Ice, which is also known as Solomon's Key 2, which is technically a prequel to the original Solomon's Key game. And I know I, I think I scared Jason a bit whenever I put this on the, <laughs> the Google Doc. He was like, wait a minute, I think you put in the wrong game, which yeah. honestly I thought I did too. <laughs> so I opened the Wikipedia page and it says Solomon's Key 2, and I'm like, wait a minute. It looks like the game I've been playing, but it's not the same name. And then it, just, it says here it's known as Fire and Ice in North why America. Why was it called, why was it renamed Fire and Ice and not Solomon's Key 2? I'm not entirely sure. 
it it doesn't really make that much sense to me. But to take you back to the days of Nintendo Power, still probably my favorite magazine of all time. Mm-hmm. I remember reading a brief synopsis of this game in Nintendo Power. And the look of it, I remember it had one screenshot and it was just like a very brief, like it might have been like two or three paragraphs, if that. And I remembered being intrigued by it because, you know, I, I, I like a good puzzle game every now and then. I don't play them that often. You know, like I, I love Tetris. Tetris is one of my favorite Game Boy specific games um, of all time. So I, I, I do enjoy a good puzzle game, but I don't play them all that often. I mean, I've got a couple that I play on my phone every now and then, but when this was released on the Nintendo Switch online store in February, I thought to myself, I got to play that game because I never played it as a kid. I instantly thought of that article that I read in Nintendo Power. And to tell you a little bit about the game itself and what makes this game stand out to me about, about other than other puzzle games, it actually has a story to it. Most puzzle games don't really have that. Yeah. So the game's plot takes place before the original Solomon's Key and is framed as a story being told by an elderly woman to her grandchildren. The story takes place on Coolmint Island, an island made of ice and home to the Winter Fairies. When the evil wizard Druidal begins sending flame monsters to attack and melt the island, the Queen of the Fairies summons the apprentice wizard Dana to defend them granting him the use of ice magic to help extinguish the flame monsters. So in each stage, what you have to do is there are a few flames that are sprinkled throughout the puzzle, and your job is to extinguish them. The cool thing is you can use your your magic abilities to create blocks of ice, and you can also use them as platforms to, like you can look at the screenshot on the Wikipedia page. You can see how it's kind of like a, kind of like a tall tower that you have to climb up and you see the flames sprinkled uh, throughout the map. You can drop ice on the flames. You can kick blocks of ice into them. As long as the fire makes contact with the ice, then it's extinguished. Hmm. And once you extinguish all the flames, you win that map, and then you move on to the next one. And it's actually a pretty lengthy game. There are 10 worlds, each with 10 stages. So it has quite a bit of, I won't say replayability, but it's not a puzzle game that you can just put down and you've, you've beaten it in 20 minutes. Yeah, It actually has some, some meat to it, which I really like, and I still haven't finished it. I think I'm a little over halfway through. And the cool thing is, is that the, um, the game does get more challenging, which I really like, because the first few maps, I was like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, kick that block of ice here i'll drop that there yeah but there there have been a few times that i've had to to restart because you once you get to a certain point or you get stuck you have to to restart and the, the cool thing is that you have unlimited lives so it's not like you get a game over and have to start all the way over but mm. after each world there's not necessarily a boss fight but a boss character will trap you in a maze that you have to get out of in a certain time. So like the first one, you're in this tower and you have lava that's rising as time progresses. So you have to climb while dousing flames. (laughs) Once you douse the flames, you win. 
and you keep going. Okay. So it it's a it's a pretty neat little game. And it, it's the story, as I mentioned, is pretty pretty straightforward, and the gameplay is pretty straightforward. Um, I think the fact that you can't jump makes it difficult. Yeah. Because you you have to climb things and use your magic to create blocks of ice to be able to you know, cross pathways or climb or even descend in some ways. So it, it it's it can get a little challenging as the game progresses. So it's it's a fun game that I would say if you want to play something a little different, mm-hmm. if you want to get away from just like say if you're playing an RPG or you're playing something like a Mario that has, you know, more story based, I would say if you want to play a fun puzzle game and you have the switch, definitely check out Fire and Ice. I, I've really enjoyed it. And it's one of those games that I think I would have really liked had I played it as a kid. And I, I forgot to mention it is for the uh for the NES. Yeah. It was released it was released in Japan in January of ninety two and came out in North America in March of ninety three. I'll have to try this out because I, I did Try playing the original Solomon's Key, which is on the Nintendo shop on the the Switch, mm-hmm. and um, I I really didn't get into it. I, it was a little, I don't know. It just really didn't capture my attention. Um, so I'm wondering how much different this one is from the first one. Yeah, I haven't played the original one, so I can't really compare it. But uh, you'll you'll like this too. So the Japanese version has an internal save battery. Guess what the English version has? A battery. No. Password system. Why? But the good thing about playing it on the Switch is that it doesn't matter. But But still, it's 1992. The Super Nintendo is out by that point. You you got a battery in Mario World. You got a battery in Link to the Past. I mean, you got a battery in the original Legend of Zelda for the NES. Why yeah. can't you have it in Fire and Ice? Especially for games. Or any other game released around that time. Especially for games of this length. You know. Yes. I I just I don't understand why you would not put a battery back up because, and it wouldn't have been so bad if the passwords were easy. But they never yep. were. <laughs> they never were. They're like weird characters. And is that a zero or a, a an, an O? Or is that a one or a seven? Like it never came out okay. Like I would be playing a game, get really far, have to write down the 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 password, and inevitably would get one some get something wrong, and it would never work. And it's not like now where you could just take your phone and take a quick snapshot of the password. No, you had to carefully write that stuff down. And if you got something wrong, that was it. I specifically remember playing Tales Adventure for the Game Gear. And that had a password system. And I had a notebook where I would keep the passwords in it. Mm -hmm. Because it was like four lines of four characters. And thankfully they were only letters and numbers from what I remember. But yeah, I had, I had a little notebook that was dedicated specifically for passwords. Just the but, word password system sends, like it makes my skin crawl. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, The Legend of Zelda for NES had a battery backup. I, I don't know if it was a cost thing. I, I don't I don't know. Like I would honestly like to know an explanation. It had to be a cost saving measure. It had to be. I mean, if you have the technology, why not do that? And yeah. it's it's literally a watch battery. They're not that expensive. They're really not. I don't know. If we ever interviewed somebody who worked in video <laughs> games during that era, I would want to ask that question. Oh, God, I would love to. Like, like, just... I mean, maybe there is a valid reason. I don't know. Maybe. I, but I would just like to hear it. But if there like... was a valid reason, they could have at least come up with password systems that were easier. You would think. Mm-hmm. You would think. But another cool thing about Fire and Ice is that once you complete all 100 stages and beat the final boss, you get a cheat code that unlocks a sound test option and 50 additional bonus stages. Wow. It also features a stage editor where you can design your own stage and puzzles. That's cool. Which I think is really cool. But however, only the Japanese version allows players to save them. Of course, because they were smart <laughs> enough to have battery backup. Ugh, that hurts my soul. Tecmo giveth, and Tecmo, Tecmo taketh away. <laughs> but no, I I actually really like the Fire and Ice game. Uh, it's one that, you know, if I want to kill 20 or 30 minutes, I'll just grab the Switch and and play, you know, Play Fire and Ice. Because mm-hmm. I've right now I've been kind of alternating between Crash Bandicoot 4 and Retromania Wrestling. But I do keep going back to Fire and Ice a little bit. Like, yeah. it, it's... If you got a Switch and you have the online shop, definitely check it out. You know, if you like puzzle games, it's worth your time. Yeah. I'll have to go play it this weekend. I, I've never played it, so I'll give it a shot. You should. I, I, I think you'll... I think you'll get a kick out of it. You know it. me. I love a good puzzle game. Yeah. I, I think you'll like it. It's, and like I said, as it progresses, the puzzles get a little more challenging. So, but it, they get more challenging to me at the right pace. Yeah. Which I, which I think is nice. Yeah. And Mixmaster's right. Like, once they started adding symbols into the password systems, too, it was like, oh, you're going to add another layer of <laughs> insanity. To these passwords, like, come on, man. Of course. Ugh. Ugh. Of course. <laughs> but but uh, it, if I were to give this game a number score, scale of 1 to 10, I'd say I'd probably give it a solid 7. Okay, that's not bad. Like, I, I think it's... I still prefer games like Tetris or Dr. Mario if I want to play a puzzle game, but yeah. Fire and Ice is solid. I, I actually really liked it, so check nice. it out. I'll check it out. Yeah. If you like it, then I will like it. Yeah. Um, so next week, we're not doing a review. Next week, we're going to do our roundtable discussion of the weirdest advertising mascots of the last, I'm going to say, 40 years, since roughly since 1980. The, what are the top five weird... We're going to each do me, Derek, and Wally are going... Wally's going to be joining us, and, and uh, we're going to do our personal top five weirdest advertising 
mascots. I can't tell you how cool it is that we're doing a top five because I'm doing the top five on my show next week. too. Awesome. <laughs> I'm doing top five movies of the nineties. So if you want to join in the conversation, uh, just either email us or uh, send us a message um, either on Facebook or Twitter. Um, what you think are some of the weirdest advertising mascots of the last 40 years, you know, like those weird little Quiznos, uh, what were they? What were they like chinchillas or something? Yeah, I always thought it was like a rat or something. Yeah, I don't. I can't know. remember. I, it's been so long since I've seen the Quiznos commercials. And I have one in my list that I don't know if you guys will remember this, but uh, um, I'm not gonna say him right now. But when I bring him up, you're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. He was terror inducing." Spoiler alert: The Burger King is my number one through five. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's not quite as terror-inducing as the the one that I'm I, I'm holding in my my back pocket. I'm gonna do some research and see if I can figure it out. I won't guess, but okay, I, I'm gonna do some research. Okay. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm excited for that. You know, I love a good top five list. Oh yeah, me too. I can't. That's wait. gonna be fun. That's gonna be great. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much gonna do it for this week. What uh, what's going on over at the Derek Diamond Experience? So this week I had a lot of fun talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, specifically the John Walker character and why he's such a douchebag that you have to love him. Yeah. <laughs> so I talk about specifically his character, but <clears throat> what overall I think of Falcon and Winter Soldier so far. Uh, which has really picked up over the last couple of weeks. So if you haven't watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, definitely check it out. Um, I also chat with a couple of the cast members and the writer-director from a fun indie film that I watched, which is available now on YouTube, Amazon, really anywhere you get, uh, you can stream films. It's called Warmed Over Kraut Rock. It's about a a group of people who work in a record store Mm. and they're lives and how they interact with each other it's a it's a fun little character film that i really like so uh, and then next week i will be doing my oscars predictions as well as my top five movies from the 1990s yes so that that's gonna be a tough list to do i know but but i'm, good I'm excited in the for 90s it. yeah Yeesh. But yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on with the Derek Diamond experience. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. You can find the video versions of the show on YouTube and the audio version really anywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, wherever you find them. Yeah. Same thing with uh, open micers. Earlier tonight, we just talked to comedian uh, from Mobile, Ryan Adams, who's one of the funniest people I know. Uh, and one of my good friends. So when that drops on Saturday, go check that episode out. And um, uh, last week we talked to Compton Smith, who came a second visit to the show to finish his story about how he got his essence all over Jacob's face. So <laughs> just the way you say that is so funny. Just yeah. his essence. His essence. So go check out Open Micers wherever fine podcasts are given away for free uh and at open micers on twitter and open micers podcast on facebook and uh you brought up john walker a minute ago i have a feeling he's going to have the big redemption arc 
over the next couple of years in the MCU. You get that feeling? Like, he's such a douche. He's such a terrible person that, you know, I mean, if you read Marvel comics, I mean, I'm familiar with U.S. Agent. You know, I was a huge Captain America fan when I was a kid through the 90s. Um, Of course, U.S. Agent, like, you know he doesn't end up being a bad guy, so he's going to have that big redemption arc over the next couple of years. But man, when the Wakandians showed up and he started bad-mouthing them, I'm yeah. like, dude, you were about to get your ass handed to you, and boy, did he. Yeah, that's the thing. He's got to get humbled, man. Yeah, I mean, the la- I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it, but... The last like thirty seconds of that episode, specifically that ending shot, yeah, was just like holy crap. <laughs> the show has turned a corner. It started a bit slow, but to me, the last two episodes were really good. Yeah, I'm so, excited for the next two. Holy crap! Yep, I'm so into that show. It's it's. Marvel is just firing on all cylinders right now with that show. Well, and I don't want to get into like a full on discussion about it, but what I love about the show specifically is that they are not afraid to touch on like real life issues that are going on right now. Those who have watched the show, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Of course, but I love that show. I can't wait. I'm going to be sad when it's over. Only two episodes left. Don't remind me. So what comes after that? I know Loki is coming out, but I don't think we get Loki until June. Yeah, that's a ways off. I don't know when What If starts. Okay. Because I'm interested in that. It just says the summer of 2021, so we might have a little bit of a break with the Marvel content, which is unfortunate, because I loved how we went right from WandaVision into Falcon and Winter Soldier. I know I'm ready for Kenobi. Uh, come on. Oh, Kenobi. my God. Yeah, Black Widow drops on uh, in July. Disney Plus in July. Um, not sure when Loki drops, but I think Black Widow might be the first, the next thing to drop for Marvel. I want to say Loki is like June 11th. Yeah, it's somewhere around there. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think that's going to do it for the show. Um, I think that's it. Anything else you yep. want to throw out there before we go this evening? No, just don't forget to check out the Parker Syndrome, which will be available uh, yes. on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching live tomorrow morning, if you're listening, it'll be out Thursday morning. Uh, just check out uh, the Parker Syndrome on Facebook and check out uh, Anchor of Reality Films on YouTube. That's where you can find the film. So I'll, I'll be posting it in the Discord through social media and everything. So awesome. if you listen to the show, you'll have a way to watch it. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and get out of here. What do you say? Let's do it. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. Uh, Go buy some merch. We got some cool t-shirt designs up on the store right now at ncrmerch.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And also, if you want to support the show, go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Throw us a couple of bucks a month to keep the lights on. And we do those extra episodes every month for you. If you can't do that, can't can't afford any merch, can't go to the Patreon, we understand. It's been a tough year. Go leave us a review wherever 
fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Wow. Master Blaster runs by the town. You blow it!